0: So when you were planning this episode, you thought, who's the biggest imposter we know? Perfect! <laughs> that, that was me. That,
1: uh, it's me, actually. I'm Wait, the biggest see, imposter.
2: This is how this is going to go. No, it's all of us, <laughs> and <laughs> that is
1: kind of the whole point. Yeah, that's the point. Okay. Hi, and welcome to Sound Discussion. Each episode, we discuss a music topic which we have all had first-hand experience with. This will be anything from getting started recording, playing live, mixing, mastering, and everything in between. Most episodes, we will have a special guest to bring their professional experience to the discussion. So, let's get started.
2: Today's guests seem perfect place to start as they were the way we all met. Uh, through their YouTube channel and music community, they'll be known to millions around the world for providing simple-to-understand, constructive videos on everything from songwriting to recording, mixing, mastering, and everything in between. Add into that the motivational challenges that they put out as part of their community, and you'll realise that whether you're a new musician or a seasoned old hand, they're the way to learn more and get better at music. So I'm delighted to have with us Mr. Joe Gilder.
0: Hello, hello. Hey, boys.
2: Hey, Joe. How are you today?
0: I'm so good. I'm really excited about this. This is an awesome idea. Not the having me, but you guys doing a podcast. I dig that.
2: <laughs> well, it uh, it seemed to be the right place to start as our first guest. To uh, obviously through Home Studio Corner, we all met, uh, and that is such an amazing community for uh, being able to work with other musicians and you know being able to share experiences and knowledge across uh, an incredibly diverse range of musical. Genre, I think it's fair to say everything from EDM to Americana to uh, some German heavy metal and, uh, you know, everything in between. But, um, you know, we're all sat here because we have been part of your community. We've watched your videos. We've expanded our knowledge through those. But today's episode uh, we should probably explain is about imposter syndrome. And one of the things that we wanted to sort of ask you about is how that sits with you, that how you feel as somebody who's imparting knowledge to others. And I'm sure we're going to get onto it because I would imagine you very much don't feel that you have all the answers, but.
0: Correct. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So it's funny. I hopped on, I didn't know what the topic was going to be. And as soon as you told me, I thought, Oh, well I've, if I'm an expert on anything, it's this one. Um Yeah. Even, even I think, as recently as last night I had a bout of do I know what I'm doing at all uh in any of this? So yeah, it's very real. And I don't know if you ever completely outgrow it, but you learn to deal with it, I guess.
2: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think I, I think one of the things we wanted to sort of cover on this topic was very much about um I don't think what no matter what level you get to, I don't think that imposter syndrome ever goes away. And I think actually there are times where the further you go uh, through your music career, actually it can come in more and more. I remember the first time I walked into a professional studio to play drums, I remember walking in the door and thinking, this is the worst idea I've ever had in my life because (laughs) this is going to be a disaster. They're going to be really professional and I'm going to look like an idiot and this is going to be awful. And then you very quickly figure out that they are simply figuring out as they go along as well. Even though they're professionals and have done it a million times, they are just going, well, let's try that. Let's put that over there. And let's move, let's give that a go. And it it takes, it becomes very quickly a, a realization that professionals are professional because they know how to fix problems, not because they have every answer already to hand. You know, I think probably in you know, Nate and Neil from production to playing live you you never get sort of through that uh that imposter syndrome Neil, you were saying you had it the other day playing live and you play live all the time i had it
3: last night we we i we played at a uh, christmas party and we set up outside and the party was both inside and outside and we started the the show and everybody was just still inside and I'm like I, I I mean am I really we're playing outside we're there's nobody else out here with us do they even want to come out here and you know and imposter syndrome is this this doubt uh, about yourself despite um, successes right even though the successes you're seeing the success right you know my band plays you know every weekend. Um, and we get such, you know, good feedback and people love us and come out to the shows. But despite that, I still get up there and I feel, uh, am I even that good? Is the mic going to you know sound that good? Um, uh, Joe, thank you for the mic, by the way.
0: <laughs> <laughs> You're welcome.
3: Um, that earthworks mic. It, I, I don't want to sing through any other mic.
0: <laughs> yeah, it's pretty great. I'm but, on to a new earthworks yeah, mic. Yeah, so...
3: By the way, ah, nice. (laughs) So, yeah, it's it's despite the success, there's still that that fear, that doubt inside, and it happens
0: to all of us. You said like it was feeling insecurity or uh, like unsure of yourself, even though you've had success, which I think is really Mm -hmm. cool point. Because I had a business coach once who said, he said, confidence is the memory of success. So once you've done something, you can remember, hey, I've done that before. I can do it. And, you know, the more and more you do it, the less like people say, oh, like whatever you do, you make it look effortless. (laughs) Okay, sure. A bajillion hours later, and it's a little bit effortless. But at the same time, I think the imposter syndrome is like, yeah, 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 but this is going to be the time where you're going to completely blow it. And the wheels finally come off because you've not you've just gotten lucky up to this point. You're not going to be able to hold it together. Yeah. And also because times.
1: No, go ahead, Neil.
3: Oh, I was going to say, also because you remember what you were before, and you're like, if they only knew what I was before, you know, like, if only they saw, like, for you, Joe, I'm sure, like, if only they saw my first few videos or whatever, you know, or, and oh, for sure, me, like, true. if only they ever saw, they, they saw my first recording of, of 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 a song, or if they saw me live back in 2000 when I was, when I was a singer in a, in a Christian rock band, you know, like it was terrible. Oh, if only they knew. Right. And that still sits in the back of your mind. Like
1: I, you know, the, the, the whole, the core definition that you gave Neil about imposter syndrome, you know, uh, having doubts about something, even though You've had successes or even though it's something that you've done over and over again. I find that I I, I go into these bouts of imposter syndrome, and I had one probably just a couple of days ago if, if I'm recalling correctly. Uh, it's something that I do over and over and over again. Play the violin, mix a song, give critiques on a mix, somebody else's mix. I know how to do those things. I know how to listen for the things I'm supposed to listen for, do the things I'm supposed to do, and I've done them probably countless times now. I, I can't keep count anymore, and I still like in the midst of it. I'm like, what am I doing? What this? What? No, I I'm not qualified to be giving this person advice on a mix. I just cranked out a poopy mix the other day. Like what? You know. Mm-hmm. So that <laughs> despite the fact that you've done these things over and over again. You trip yourself up and say, well, "I don't know what I'm doing. Why is somebody paying me to to give them advice to to do this service for them? I don't even know what I'm doing." So I find that to be really difficult for me. as uh, something that I do and I over think and over
0: skill, again. The skill, the skill there is that you like Ben. You said like it's it's not so much that you don't jack things up fairly regularly. You just know how to what to do next, like how to say, "Okay, I." I messed up that mix, but I know how to get to the next one. Um, And yeah, it'd be Nate, you and I were texting like it'd be great if the mix one was always the best, most amazing thing ever produced by human hands. But it's almost never the case, no matter how great you are, right? There's usually something in there that you didn't hear that you overlooked Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. a couple of quick tweaks and you're there. So I think part of it is, I think what's cool is I think people who struggle with imposter syndrome the most are the ones who keep at it and keep doing it like most people say oh this feels uncomfortable so i'm just gonna quit this thing altogether so they succeed in not feeling that feeling anymore but then they don't they don't make anything anymore and i think that's almost if you feel imposter syndrome for a long long time i think it's probably a testament to oh yeah you're doing the thing you're successfully continuing and staying the course which is awesome
2: I, i think the bit that's interesting on this conversation so far for me is we've all described imposter syndrome Because it triggers as something different for us. So I was listening to all of you. And my my biggest thing is when I'm mastering, I always sit there and think, if if they actually knew that I'm just using these eight plugins and I haven't got an entire rack of gear that they're running everything through. And it's like, if they knew I was using an emulation of a Neve console, just dropping it on the top. I think, well, ah, oh, well, they'd never come back to me then, would they? Because he hasn't got any proper hardware, and he's just not running it through a console, and he's not sat at Abbey Road Studios with you know tons of gear. I've just got, I've just got eight plugins I'm running through in a in a DAW. That's the bit that for me, I think. Well, anyone can do that. Why wouldn't they just do that themselves? Why are they coming to me to do that? And I think each of you have described actually it's something almost something different that triggers that imposter syndrome for you. And I find that quite interesting because I'd like to hope that. The eight people who are listening. Let's hope <laughs> let's it's more. than Let's eight be let's realistic about this. this. Yeah, yeah let's, double <laughs> figures. Well, that's what we're aiming for. Um, I'd imagine they've all got a different. There's something different that triggers that imposter syndrome for them. Whether it's like as Neil said, oh, what if they knew what I sounded like ten years ago, or you know, or is it oh, well, I don't have a Gibson guitar. I've only got a Yamaha Pacifica. What, uh, what you know, it, it's it's all sorts of different things that could be triggering that. Do we? Do you find you have to? This goes out to any of you. Do you find you have to deal with that? Do you have to sort of get yourself to take a step back and say, hold on, I have been doing this for people for a while and therefore I kind of am good at this? Or do you do you plow on regardless, if you know what I mean? Is it something you have to overcome before you can move forward or do you just move forward and it and live with it?
0: We all just look up at the ceiling and think about the answer to the question. I mean, I think for me, I I can get stuck in it. So like I can spiral like a champ um, if I let myself. But I think sometimes you just have to let yourself, right? You got to feel what you feel. Um, So I don't Mm -hmm. think for me just plowing ahead is always the best thing because it's just kind of there messing everything up. Um, But I think I do need to like sit and face that thing that I'm feeling and Usually I'll t- like talk to like my wife about it or something like, man, I'm feeling like a total imposter today. Um, and usually she's good about reminding me, well, this and this and this is true. So these we know these things are true. So maybe this other thing is not all true or only a partially true. Because that's what's so insidious about it, right? Like there's a truth to it. Yeah, I can mess things up, but there's other truth too. It's not like it's the only truth. Um, so for me, I've got to kind of look at it. And then a lot of times like going back over as vain as it sounds and like going through all the... Successes I have had, whatever they may be, like that's a good thing. Say okay, okay, okay. I I trend in a certain direction, and this momentary, you know, moment where I just straight up suck is not the norm. Or if it is, then fine. I'm going to continue to move forward in the right direction. But yeah, for me, I've got to if I ignore it, it just comes out sideways later. So I feel like I have to kind of stop and face it.
2: What about you, Nate Neil? What what are you sort of? Because I mean, I can say I can say for me, I. I have to just, I'm kind of the opposite. I have to just carry on uh, because I find if I, if I sit there and think, right, I'm going to convince myself that I'm okay at this, then I never get to the point of actually doing it. I kind of then just go, well, I'll I'll probably be good at this tomorrow and I'll I'll probably be good at this on Monday. I, I have to just say, no, no, no. I've, you know, I've promised someone drum tracks by Tuesday. So they're getting drum tracks by Tuesday and then at the end of it, I kind of go, "Oh, that was all right. Yeah, I did that. Came out okay, you know." Or I do it twice because it's a disaster.
3: So it's almost like you have two voices, right? You've got one voice that is the imposter syndrome—that's like you suck, you you don't know what you're doing, you you you're not qualified to do this and that, and like, oh, you're gonna mess it up, uh, you know. And then you got this other voice that's like, no, you you're here, and you almost have a battle between the two. Yes, yeah, um, the devil's
1: on your shoulders, man.
3: Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> But also, like, I was thinking with studio work, you're kind of by yourself. You're not getting any, like, reactive feedback. At least when I do live music, I can get live feedback, you know. So that, that sometimes quells and, and helps the imposter syndrome. But when you're in the studio and you're all by yourself and you're about to put it out to the world, your song you don't
2: yet have that feedback. I think that's a really valid point. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Maybe that. Certainly for home studios. You know, if you go into a recording studio, you have an engineer there who is, yeah, that was really good, but we're going to do one more take. I mean, I can't tell you how positive studio engineers are on the whole, you know, they are not thanks for those drum tracks. They were really good. Yeah. We got those. They are. Yeah. Nailed it, man. That was really good. But can we just do the chorus again? And you're like, Oh, he won't go. Well, they won't go. Uh, you know, uh, the chorus was rubbish. Could you do the chorus again? They will tell you how you nailed the rest of the track, but we just want to redo the chorus. And they're always putting a positive spin on it. But in a home studio, or, you know, if you're producing music for other people, like Nate with your studio where you are, I'd imagine that self-spiral can be, really hard to get out of
1: oh my gosh I I, I will get into that spiral uh, especially when I'm doing like violin tracks right I mean I've been playing violin my entire life. I am not a virtuoso I I, I hate playing in orchestras that was the one thing so like that level of of playing I am not at but <clears throat> I can riff I can I can just put on a song and figure it out and you know 10 or 12 takes later. I've got an idea that has solidified into the final take, and and I go and record that final take, or, God forbid, piece it together, you know, from a couple of previous takes if I'm just not feeling it. Beauty of editing, but, uh, kind of like to to what Joe was saying, I'll be I'll be standing there, and and I'll be deep into a track, and and I'm just like I'm not getting this. I got to put my violin down. I'm I'm actually getting worse <laughs> as the session goes on. Like I'm I'm making, you know, mistakes that I wasn't making 20 minutes earlier and I'm just like I'm I'm now literally spiraling and I'm just feeling terrible and I put my violin down. I go do something else. Go back to work or go, you know, make some lunch or whatever it is. Go for a walk. And it might be a day or two before I even come back to it, you know. I just need to like get it out. Uh, or let it sort of just pass and and get it out of my system. Um, but I think that that kind of what Joe was saying is is facing that and realizing that um, you know here's here's what I'm up against. Here's what I'm feeling. Uh, it, it's not a good feeling. But if you recognize that and you reconcile with that negativity that you have, sort of beginning to bubble up or or has overflowed inside of you um that that generally gives me uh the confidence to at least put my violin back on my shoulder and hit record again because I know that once I get past it once I deliver those tracks to whomever I'm going to feel good about what I've done and 9 times out of 10 if I feel good about what I'm delivering I'm confident that the client is gonna feel good about it too. Now, there's always that little bit that's that's like, mm, what if they come back and they say they hate it? And I don't know if I've got another one in me. Like, I, I what am I gonna play? But thankfully, that hasn't really happened. And, and and nine times out of ten, they come back happy, and and there's no revisions or edits necessary. Uh, maybe I'll add something else, but what I've cooked up in my head, they like, and and that. Once I receive that feedback, then I'm like, okay, that battle, that was worth it. That got me further than I was yesterday. And I'm ready to take on the next project.
0: I love that. I think about it like if like one of the things imposter syndrome says, at least to me, and it sounds like it's true for for you as well. Like there's this element of, first of all, you got to get it right. And second of all, you've got to get it right on the first try. Yeah. This like stupid idea that the that you have to be – because you see people on the surface maybe and they – whatever, whether it's on stage or something else and you think, oh, man, they just – right out of the gate, they nailed it on the first take. Or like with business, which is a big source of imposter syndrome for me. Like I tried something. I thought it was a brilliant idea and it – like according to the data, it didn't work. And there's that moment of like I can just say, oh, okay it didn't work. Or I can say, I didn't work. I'm terrible. I failed. And it's just such a, boy, it's so, I get frustrated right now just talking about it because it's as if I'm supposed to have brilliant ideas every single time. And as if that's been true for anyone we've ever like loved their creative output. Like your favorite actor has bad movies. Your favorite musician has bad albums. And that's the stuff you don't hear, right? Well, that's the stuff you hear. You don't even get to see all the bad tracks getting to that final take and all of that. So not to say like great musicians aren't aren't good at like nailing it and stepping up in the clutch moment to play the solo or whatever, because there is that confidence from having done it a bunch, but to, uh, to take that further and assume that they nail it every time the first time is pretty idiotic. Well,
1: let's, let's tie that thought into kind of what Ben was saying and, and sort of the world that we live in as home studio musicians. Um, You know, we don't interact with a lot of people outside of our bubble. And the people that we do interact with are on social media, on YouTube. Uh, you know, we see a edited and um, very intentional uh, acting out of a scene on YouTube or in a social media clip, and we think, I'm "There, no, I'm I'm just gonna sell my gear and and go home." You know, at the end of that video, the the why am I trying? Because this person has nailed it, and there's no way I'm going to be able to to match that. And that's the – I fall subject to this all the time. And I know that it's not true, but yet there's still a part of me that thinks, just pack it up, Nate. That you know, you're, you're never going to get there, so why try? So I'm curious, Joe, what you think from the whole social media – you're the social media guy in this little – uh, group here now, and so, as a youtuber what 's your take on on the whole one sided experience of social media? I think, as you were talking,
0: my that? thought was there will always be someone better than you, and like that 's cool, and that 's fine, and that 's normal right so like i 'm at a i 've gotten a certain level of followers on YouTube, but I could spit off eight people right now in the same niche who started way later than me who have way more followers than me, and if I want, I could let that just send me down the spiral staircase, but the other piece of it is like, how many of us listen to more than one band read more than one book from a different author, right? There's plenty of room for all of us. Um, like I, I, I bet you there's another violinist in the world, right? <laughs> it's <laughs> not just Nate. So wait, I'm the, I'm not the I only know. one. I know. I didn't want, we were, we didn't want to tell you, but Jeez. like, yeah, you've just wearing his office That's um, uh, right. But yeah, like it's, there's, of course there will be people just because someone's better than me doesn't mean I'm not also good or that I don't also have a role to play in this thing. And like my role may be this and someone else's role may be this. But the people that I the people whose lives I affect, their lives are just as affected whether someone else is affecting other people's lives or I imagine y'all watch other YouTubers than just me. (gasps) Shocker. But I imagine those people have affected your lives, too, arguably in even maybe even bigger ways. But like that doesn't affect like the relationship that we have as well. Um, so to me that's really important to remember like there's there's plenty of room it's not like a a pie that if someone takes a slice now I don't get pie like there's there's just so much pie and that's your sound bite there is so much pie
1: there is so much pie
0: could go for some apple pie the um the bit that it took me
2: a very long time to get my head around is everybody no matter who they are gets imposter syndrome the taylor swifts of this world will wake up one morning and go I, am I really? How come? How am I this big? This is only me. I'm just, you know, the Bruce Springsteens will wake up and have a day where they think their new album's rubbish, and it took me a long, long time to realise that it doesn't matter how successful you are. And arguably, as I think somebody touched on at the beginning, the more successful you get, the more you start to have those moments of how? Why am I here? What you know, stood on Glastonbury stage if you're Ed Sheeran, thinking how on earth did I get here? I just played bars in you know wet the east of england and now i'm still at glastonbury so i think that's that's something that is always healthy to keep in mind that when you're feeling like that it's like yeah that is that is normal it is normal to get to these points of i don't think i'm good enough but that's okay because i am mm-hmm. good i am i am good enough mm-hmm. it comes back to the old i'm never trying to be the best there is but i am mm-hmm. good enough at what I'm doing. So I friend have a thought. Who
0: has, oh, go ahead, Joe. Oh, go I've got a friend who has <laughs> d- produced, like he he produces for like my favorite, so my favorite artist growing up, this Christian artist named Stephen Curtis Chapman. And there was this one album that I just love. It was real like swampy and acoustic and awesome and really influenced me as a musician. And honestly, influenced me in my career because I read some book that said he studied music business in college. And I was like, what are those words? That sounds interesting. So that kind of led me down the path of doing what I do now. Anyway, a friend of mine, turns out he plays bass for Steven and produces the last several of his albums. So big, big, like major label artists in, in like the Christian world. Um, but he tells me like he'll have, he'll have albums where it's time to send it off to the label. Or to the mix engineer, and he'll stall for like a week because he's like, "This is the f- this is going to be the one that proves that I don't know what I'm doing." And I'm thinking, "Well, if that happens to you, what hope do the rest of us have?" But, um, but it's very real, right? Like you said, like it, it's it's it shouldn't surprise us, but it does. Cause I think we have this this weird idea that everybody's everybody out there is crushing it, but us. But <laughs> I think everybody out there is just kind of piecing it together, just like the rest of us. That is very true.
1: Yeah, it does. So the, the one thought that, that I had was um, – so this, this feedback that we're sort of receiving from our own internal loop of you're pushing up against something. It's uncomfortable. You're not sure if you should keep pushing. When do you actually say, hey, maybe this isn't where I need to be focusing my efforts. You know, I'm not – maybe I'm not a musician. Maybe I'm a better producer, right? Maybe I need to refocus. I'm never gonna write a hit song, but maybe I'm good at helping other people write hit songs. Or maybe I'm not a X, I'm a better Y. At what point do you keep pushing against something and realizing, well, maybe this isn't what I'm supposed to be doing and I need to refocus my efforts and turn a different direction? When does when does someone stop and and ask that question?
3: I don't believe that anybody should necessarily stop because when it comes to art um, you're always going to have your audience for your art right and so and you can always get better at what you want to get better at right so I feel that nobody should not know I mean yeah nobody should really give into that voice like if that's what you want to do you know, it's going to take some work probably to get to where you want it to be. Um, and you're always going to have to work at it. Like I, I always, I always find it arrogant when musicians, you know, they don't practice their instrument. They don't, they don't continue to improve. They think they're at that, you know, amazing level. W- why would you think that? Like, why wouldn't you want to get better? You know, cause I like, I, I'm, I feel like I'm a pretty good guitarist but I could totally be better. I could totally learn new stuff. I feel like I'm a good vocalist, but I can always, (laughs) always try, you know, to find new techniques, uh, learn how to get into mixed voice. But, you know, there's always something to learn. And like, if if that's your passion, if that's what you want to do, then do it. Uh, When it comes to art, you know, because there's always going to be an audience, your specific, not everybody's going to love what you do. Right. Um, I do grunge music live, right. (laughs) Grunge and alternative rock and yeah, acoustic. And so like, there's always going to be those people that are like, play some Skinner, you know, or, (laughs) um, can you play something from the sixties or seventies? And I'm like, uh, I can, but, uh, that's not what we do. You know, that's not what I'm really good at. Right. This is what I want to do. And, and, We had a lot of pushback in the beginning, but we've grown an audience because we stuck to that, right? Mm -hmm. So that's my two cents on
0: that. (laughs) It's funny, like, I totally agree with Neil, and then I also completely see it from the other side of, I think there's two levels, because I think on an artistic level, don't try to be someone you're not, right? If Neil suddenly (laughs) starts doing Sinatra tunes, like, I don't know, it's probably not the best option, but maybe, Um, maybe in the next phase of life, but... But also within that thing that you're doing, I'll use you as an example because you said it. Like if if like you have a trusted friend who's like, hey, man, your guitar parts are pretty sloppy. Like you're you're not playing in time with the rhythm section or you keep speeding up on this part and it doesn't sound as good as when you slow down tempo wise. Like feedback like that helps you be mm-hmm. better at your craft. And so there's like two elements of you can say, well, don't listen to him because this is my art. and I'm doing it my way. And that's valid for sure. But also, like I think about people that I've coached, like in like VIP, for example. Who, um, hold on, my gigantic thirteen-year-old wants to walk by. There he goes. You can't even see his head. He's taller than me, y'all. Thirteen years old. It's ridiculous. Um, sorry. Um, but people that I've coached who, you know, they'll they'll be so dead set on like always singing on their projects, and I'll give them an idea of like, hey, maybe have somebody else sing. Just. They're like, I'm a terrible singer. It's not like they're passionate about it. They just think they have to do it. But then they collaborate with somebody else, and suddenly their music has gone from here to here because they've stopped doing the thing they're kind of terrible at. So I think there's a level of, like someone told me once, you shouldn't sing your songs. You're not a good singer. And am I the best singer in the world? No, but I'm going to sing my songs because there's too many reasons why I want to. I love it. I enjoy it. Um, I don't think it's terrible. So there's that element of it. So I'm not going to listen to some random YouTuber commenter, which by the way, I've had some doozies lately. Um, one guy told me I should just give up. Wow. And I was like, oh, you know what, now that Damn. you mention it, <laughs> now that you mention it <laughs> I'm going to take your advice random. So, sorry, this is a random story and I shouldn't tell it, but somebody posted, it was on a video about, I don't forget what it was about, but they were like, the microphone you're using, it was that personas that I've had, that little cheap personas, the microphone you're using sounds terrible. You should stop giving that advice. It's awful. And I'm thinking, first of all, it doesn't sound terrible. It's not the best mic in the world, but it's actually surprisingly good for 129 bucks or whatever. Yeah. Um, so of course mm-hmm. I click on his profile because I can't help myself. And he has most of the time they don't have anything on their channel, but he had a video he had just uploaded. Remember that song "Hey There, Delilah"? That little acoustic. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That was like I for, sometimes do that song. Yeah, it was really popular for a minute. Um, he's got a cover of that. So the guitar comes in; it doesn't sound that great, and then he starts singing, and he's a full fifth below the note he's supposed to be on. So it's like, Mm. supposed to be like, Hey there, Delilah. And he's like, Hey there, Delilah. So it's this, like you, you're completely tone deaf, it appears, but I was getting, you know, but you wanted me to take your advice on what does and doesn't sound good. So part of it is, yeah, don't listen to people who don't, you don't have any relationship with, but then also have a community where you can share something you worked on. And they say, dude, that's, that's terrible. Um, I know you, and I know you've got a lot better in you than that. I did a song last month for that challenge. And I did I went through several iterations and one I thought was cool. And then as soon as I played it for like Pam, my wife, she's like, oh, no. And then as soon as, she, as soon as she said that, I said, oh, yeah, you're right. That is terrible. It was like this orchestral, cheesy, stupid thing that I spent an hour putting together and thought I was a genius. I'm over here like I'm like the next Vivaldi. And then she hears it and is like this is really bad. Um, and so it's not like, oh, you hate my art, woman. It was. You know what? She's right. I got so locked into this thing and like fixated on this one thing that I thought was kind of cool. Take a step back, turns out it wasn't. So I I do think especially cuz we're if we if you're a home studio type person, you're the only one making it, you're the only one making all the decisions. Mm-hmm. You're not going to be trustworthy for every one of those decisions. So it's good to have hopefully sooner than later some feedback of, "Hey, is this dumb, Nate?" And Nate writes back, "Yeah, it's dumb." So now I don't spend the next hour orchestrating a four-part <laughs> stupid, like, string quartet thing for a song that will never see the light of day. Especially to Nate. Like, hey, violinist, look what I did on my keyboard. Do, do, do. Isn't it beautiful? Right? It just, it'd be nice to save some of that time by having some of that feedback sooner than later. I had a I had a, a session a couple of years ago um, from somebody
1: who I think was in the home studio community. I don't know if they're a member anymore. I haven't seen him in a while. And he had written something uh, on violin But he wrote it on his keyboard with a uh, Spitfire or something, I'm not sure, and said, here, here's the track, can you play this? Yeah, sure. Okay, great. So I load it up, I start listening, I start transposing, transcribing it on my violin, and and I'm like, hang on a second. go to my keyboard, I start, like, plotting out the notes. Now – He actually wrote the violin track outside of the range of the instrument. So now I have to go back to him and be like, so this sounds great, but the violin physically can't play these notes down here or these notes up here. I can't get from this note to that note quickly, you know. So let me rewrite this for you. As a violinist would actually play it and hear it and write it, and it was fine at the end of the day, and I'm sure a lesson for him. But um, yeah, that was... Kind of that was kind of nice, like on the other side of the whole imposter syndrome thing. That was where my expertise said, Hey, this sounds lovely, but is impossible for a violinist to <laughs> that instrument play. doesn't <laughs> exist. Yeah, exactly.
2: <laughs> I think that's the, the criticism or the critique coming back is something that, uh, as a musician, I think we are uncomfortable with to start with. You know, when you send something out and you say, Hey, Nate, look, I've just written this, and Nate writes back going, yeah you did uh you know it's not a comfortable conversation to have to start with and that's where that imposter syndrome then starts going well I should never write a song ever again because clearly I'm rubbish at it and I'll never do it but it's such an important part and I know in a later episode we're going to cover the whole benefits around collaboration and because no no great album in history was written by one person on their own in a room I'm going to go out there on a limb and say that. Somebody will point out an album that was written by one person in a room on their own, but they're not. They're written by a group of people or at least a person who can then send it to someone else and say, I've written these. And they go, you know, Nate, Nate and I've worked together a number of times and I'll send him something and he'll say, yeah, but what if it did this? And you're like, oh yeah. Uh And that's, if you can get comfortable with that sort of feedback coming back the other way without it kicking into your imposter syndrome of, I should never write another song ever again, I'm terrible. Actually, <laughs> it opens a door to being so much better. I and mean, that's no matter what you're doing, mixing or r- recording or singing or, but even playing live, you know. Uh, I remember many years ago now when we were in a band playing live and somebody said, Make your songs closer together. We used to be, we were a wedding band. We played at weddings. We if you were paying, we were playing. And, uh, they said, don't have such a long gap between your songs. Just, if you're playing, when you've stopped playing, start playing the next one. Don't have a chit-chat, don't have a, just, and it was that, we could have gone, oh, I never want to play again because we're clearly rubbish because somebody put, and actually, <laughs> we took it on board and the gigs were amazing because they basically never stopped for two hours and the, everyone was dancing on the dance floor and it never dropped off and there was no, you know, waiting between songs. So we made sure we were lined up song to song to song to song to song so we knew what we were doing, but yeah that imposter syndrome i think i never had it playing live because it was all over you were you kind of had no choice you're booked you turn up you play uh it was the end of the gig people clapped we all went home i find it much Mm. more when you're remote from people and they've sent you things to work on or sent you stuff and then you're just sat here in a semi-dark room going um i don't know what i'm doing
3: and you've made a great point that like like for a way to combat um, imposter syndrome is to work with other musicians, in my opinion, like you guys feedbacking off each other, you know, showcasing your strengths and in the same song or if, whether it's live music or you're in the studio, if you're working with other people, like you're getting that feedback from each other. And that is in my opinion, one way to combat imposter syndrome. If you're all by yourself in front of a camera doing videos for, you know, home studio corner, I'm sure <laughs> a little voice in your head will start uh creeping in or if you're, you know, mastering all by yourself in in that room or, you know, mixing, you know, all by yourself, it it,
2: it that that little imposter voice will will creep in. My my biggest thing on when I'm mastering on imposter syndrome is it sounds amazing in here, but I'm going to send this to someone and tell them it sounds amazing everywhere. I, I assume it does now. I, Putting my imposter syndrome to the side. I know it does because I've listened to so much music in here that I know what music sounds like in here. Um, my room is reasonably well treated and I've got ways of take, turn it down. People get your room out of the equation, turn it down. Um, but there's lots you can do to help with that. And I know what music sounds like in here. I listen to so much music in here that's released, not that's coming from clients. So I know what it should sound like, but there's always that bit of, I'm going to send this to them and say, yeah, you can upload this to Spotify and it will sound great everywhere. But I mean, does it? I I, I think it does. So that's the bit that always gets me. It's, it's not the technical, I don't know what I'm doing. It's I'm telling someone this is good enough for them to share with the world. I only have, I have doubts that that's true, even though I've done it hundreds of times, thousands of times, probably by now.
3: Yeah. Cause when you're mastering you're that's final. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. That yeah. is the, mm-hmm. the final yeah, right before it goes out to the world. Um, not to put any more pressure on you, but
2: <laughs> thanks thanks, man. Yeah. <laughs> Feel feeling <you're> welcome. <laughs>
1: The, the idea of the, the wedding band and and cutting the time uh, and plowing through it uh, as opposed to the home studio musician who is insular and, and has room to breathe or, better yet, time to think. I, I like the juxtaposition of those two ideas because you're so busy in that two-hour window. It's bam, get started, and you don't stop. You don't have time to think. You don't even have time to go to the bathroom. <laughs> when you're a home studio musician, you have unlimited time to think and you can sit there and solo your acoustic guitar for the next hundred years as never going to sound any better, you know? And so you have all that time to think. And then that's when you start to think, oh, I'm not that good, you know, but maybe, maybe the other side of it is just keep going. Don't stop. Just keep hitting record. Just go to the next song. Don't stop. Don't stop. Don't stop. Don't stop.
2: I think Joe's always had a mantra of you have to put music out. You you have to put a mm-hmm. stick, a fork in it, say it's done. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. A, an abandoned mix, I think it's called, isn't it? Mix is never finished. It's just abandoned. It's abandoned, yeah. So you, I think you have to do that and move on to the next song because that's the only way that you then start getting the feedback of, hey, man, I really like that. That was really good. And that that then helps to combat that imposter syndrome feeling of, I don't know what I'm doing. Because even if three people liked it, well, hold on a minute, three people liked it. You know, that, that I do know what I'm doing. And I think, um, yeah, I always remember when I first joined.
1: Or at least maybe you're onto something. Maybe you don't know what you're doing totally, but you're onto something, Exactly right? And so you should keep doing it. I
2: remember that. when I first joined Home Studio Corner, it was one of the first things Joe had a video out, which was that you the challenge is you have to release a song in the next six months, I think it was. You have to write it, record it, you have to put it, and you have to release it for everybody to listen to. And... I sat there and thought, nah, that, that's, I mean, that's not going to (laughs) happen because first off who's going to (laughs) want to listen to that. And second off, I don't know what I'm doing, but actually that gave me a focus of, well, I'm going to have to figure this out now because I have to, I'm in, you know, I've signed up to home studio corner Mm -hmm. and that's the challenge. And I'm in and Mm -hmm. I think
1: you paid your, you've paid your money. money. So you don't want to waste your money. Very reasonable money. It is Mm -hmm. too. Mm -hmm.
2: Yeah. Never, never have canceled and got my, uh, my money back guarantee kicked in so uh, i think probably after like 12 years we're we're too far in now uh,
1: yeah i don't think you're
0: getting it off. back dude i already i already spent <laughs> it i'm sorry but i think that's <laughs> but no like to your point ben like the good news about releasing bad music is nobody's going to hear it right so like your first if it, you've never done it your first one's not going to be your best your next one will be the one next year will be better. The 10th one's going to be way better. So like might as well go ahead and get that first one out of the way. Now you may have like a unicorn, right? Where your first one is Wonderwall, and suddenly, wow, look at that guy. Your next one won't be yeah. right. Um, yeah. So like that, mm-hmm. that if you're like, I remember when I was in high school, I was in a band and I had written like three songs total ever at that point. And the, The guy who sang in the band, they were all songs that he had written and he kept forgetting his lyrics. And I would think, you amateur, how can you forget these precious things that you've written? Well, I'd only had three songs I'd ever written before, so it was pretty easy to remember mine. And then, you know, fast forward 20 years, I'm playing at Bluebird Cafe and I forget a lyric and I'm like, I've become that guy because I'm trying to remember (laughs) hundreds of songs that I've written and which lyric comes here. I can't remember. So, like, there's a there's a level of you're going to get way better just through repetition and finishing but not if you take the next three years to finish that one song. Like you're gonna, it's not gonna be nearly as good as if you'd done, you know, thirty songs in that time period. But I'm totally preaching to the choir here.
3: Anybody that criticizes mu- live musicians for having a tablet there with the words, okay, you know, you you know, go do it yourself and try. Because I forget the word. No, I could sing a song for years, over and over again, and I'm sitting, I'm standing there with my guitar singing, and I will be like, what is
2: the first word of that next verse? So,
3: no
1: no shame in that. No shame. (laughs) I've seen
2: really big bands at Wembley, and you can, if you get the right angle, you can see they have an auto cue of the words on a massive Mm -hmm. screen down by the stage monitors. Not because they use it all the time, but it's it's probably just that. What's the first line? I've forgotten the first. Once they're into the Mm -hmm. first line, Mm -hmm. the rest comes all right. But it's like, how do we? Yeah, because when when you're playing live, there's so much.
3: Because
0: you know it happens. They're like, I've been walking down the road trying to loosen my, uh, what's the word, (laughs) you know? Like, you know, even that line that everyone knows, they're going to forget in the moment. Yeah, right.
2: It's normal. Mm -hmm. And that then brings in the doubt of, I don't know what I'm doing. I shouldn't be doing this. And we get back to the whole position of, it can sometimes just take that one little thing going wrong, and that things going wrong is music, right? We've all got to the point where we know things going wrong, is that's called music. You know, there are famous albums where some of the best bits are the bits that actually they they never meant that in that spot. That's just what happened on the day when they were all sat in a recording studio and they pressed record on the tape deck because they didn't get the luxury of digital editing in a door to do 4000 takes. It's, you know, that's the bit that went wrong and they lived with it and they might listen to it themselves and be like, oh. That was the bit that went wrong? And we listen to it and go, no, oh, that's the best bit on the whole track. What are you talking about? Mm-hmm. So heck yeah.
3: Yeah. Because that's the humanity. Can't take the, don't take the humanity out of, out of music. Like the little imperfections, that that's human. Right. And like nowadays, I feel like music is so pro tools and digital and so perfect and over edited. Why do we need an editor? Right. It, it should be like, there, there's no reason for an editor. You've got, the producer, you've got the recording engineer. They should just record it uh, right at the source, get it right at the source, and um, go from there. And the,
2: Where'd you d- hear that from? That dude? would be a great tagline. Talk- somebody
3: should be a great. Somebody t-shirt. should, yeah, like, yeah. Get it right at the source. It's
1: dumb. Gear I mean rats, on, on the other side of that, Neil. I mean. <laughs> Yeah, I, I get what you're saying. And certainly the, the quantization of music and, and just like the rigid editing does take the life out of music. But I think the other side of that is, you know, tape and razor blades is not the most efficient way to edit your song. <laughs> so I you know, I I get it. Yeah, and, and getting it right at the source is a Good way to, you know, keep in mind as you're making your music, but also let's be realistic. A lot of times you don't get it right at the source and either you got to figure out how to fix it post or go back and redo it, you know, Mm -hmm. and, and learn from that experience. And, and then take that. Oh, absolutely. We got, one. we
3: got amazing tools now that can, you know, edit faster than tape and razor blades. And, and I don't ever think that we should go back to that um, unless you're Foo fighters.
1: <laughs> <That'd> be, um, <laughs> there's some people that still hang on to that. Yeah, absolutely.
3: But, but just because you can, doesn't mean you should like there, there's like the, the ability to do one click and that's the same as, you know, a, you know, razor blade edit doesn't mean you should, you know, line up every single, thing to the grid right all right let let the music breathe let let the humanity through right i heard
0: a story when pro tools was starting to get big in nashville somebody got was like you know what i'm going to edit this vocal and it was like a major i don't know what it was major label country release but they said i'm going to edit all the breaths out of the vocal because now we can do that we couldn't do that on tape like but now we can. And apparently mm-hmm. that release felt so weird to people. Like it felt everybody felt like they were holding their breath because you'd never heard the singer breathe. So it's like this guy took one breath, hit record, <laughs> and four minutes later he's done. And so it's funny, like just because we could, turns out it was a terrible yeah. idea. We're kinda used yeah. to this whole concept of breathing after a few, you know, million years or so. Novel idea. <laughs> so do we think what
2: what Man. advice as a group, do we have uh, there are going to be people? There's going to be home musicians sat at home with their they're great guitarist or they're a great songwriter. They might have written the next Wonderwall, who knows? But they're not releasing it because of this imposter syndrome that's saying nobody is going to want to listen to it. Nobody wants to hear what you have to say. I think uh, for if I start, and we'll go around the group just with some thoughts to sort of sum up a little bit of what we've talked about. I think for me, you won't know whether somebody likes. Your song, track, music, production, mix, unless you send it out and tell and ask people. You might find that yours is the next Wonder Wall. You might have just written the next Taylor Swift Grammy nominated hit. You won't know unless you tell, unless you have people listen to it. And that for me is the bit that I think no matter whether it's a mix or a master or a drum track or a guitar track or you've written a whole song or you've produced a Bob you know, Bob Ellis has produced some amazing EDM piece of incredible art that, you know, we all just sit there and go, well, I don't, I mean, I'll just give up now immediately because he's done a video that goes with it. That's now taken the level up a whole nother notch. Um, But you'll never know if that's you, if you don't let people hear it. And I think whatever it is, that's, that's my takeaway from this is everybody suffers from this and you just have to kind of say to yourself, well, I'm going to give it a go. What do you think, Nate?
1: What's, what would be your sort of advice? I think it's, it, it's comforting to know that I'm not the only one that, that goes through this, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, again, I'm in my own little world. Uh, I do interact with some friends who are producers and engineers, and, and I know that they experience this too, but I know that they're also a lot further on their journey than I am, right? So they're, they're experiencing things from a different point of view than I am. And we all are. Right, we all are experiencing our own world, our own version of imposter syndrome, not identical, completely to anybody else. But the core of it remains the same, and the core of it is uh, universal for anybody on their journey at at any point in their journey, whether you just bought your first interface and microphone yesterday, or you're Taylor Swift and you're getting ready to walk out on stage. And I think that that is what's comforting to me, uh, knowing that okay. If Taylor Swift can walk out on stage in front of however many tens of thousands of people and not, you know, buckle at the knees, then I can record my my violin track and I can get through this <laughs> and I can make it to dinner, right? Like that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I can do this. I got this. And and that is the, the one thing that I need to keep in mind, that perspective of, you know, other people have been through this before and they've made it through it. And so can I, and I can keep going and I may not feel like the most intelligent, most, you know, virtuoso of a instrumentalist at this moment, but tomorrow I'm going to feel a lot better about everything and I just need to get there. And then let's keep going because I know that what I'm doing makes me happy. I know that what I'm doing is what I want to be doing, even when it's uncomfortable, so there take that imposter syndrome.
2: <laughs> now, what about you? We'll, um, we'll be sort of so
3: both you uh, Ben and Nate um, have said amazing things. Um, I guess I could add that um, make music with other people make music with other people like join a community like home studio corner <laughs> and make music with people. That's that's one of the ways that I've I've staved that off the imposter syndrome, um, making music with people, getting that feedback, working together on a, on a project. So it's not just, you you feel super vulnerable if it's just you, right. Where like, if you're working with people, you get the feedback. So I, I my suggestion would be to work with other people on music. Yeah.
2: Good. Joe, we're wrapping up a little bit. Love you to have the sort of, Last thoughts on imposter syndrome. You've obviously seen a lot of this uh, down the years from your members at Home Studio Corner. Yeah. So
0: yeah, you guys took them all. <laughs> um thanks for that. <laughs> Let's let the guests clean up the mess. Um no, I think biggest thing I would say is like you, you got you got two options. You can you can either just not do it, right? You can not make music, and that's valid but if that's something that is kind of you feel like you were born to do and born to make it'd be a shame to go through life and have not built that body of work that you could have built otherwise whether it's going to be amazing or at best it ever gets is kind of mediocre like it's almost not the point um because I, like for me I was I feel like I was born to make music so I, i'm not sick of it yet so i'm just going to keep doing it i haven't won a grammy yet but i'm just going to keep doing it anyway because it brings me so much joy and as it turns out, it connects with people occasionally. Literally, as I was firing up this uh, to do this interview, I had an email from somebody that listened. They they just lost a, a parent, I think. And one of my songs came on that kind of spoke to that and just randomly hit and really spoke to them. And so I'm thinking, that song, nobody knows that song, but that one person, it made a connection. And to me, that's worth the whole kit and caboodle, right? Um, and so like to me, I don't want to get to the end of my life and think, man, i wish I'd made some music cuz that's the there's a book it's like the I haven't read it but it's like the some certain number of regrets of the dying and like it was it was the biggest thing people on their deathbeds and towards the end of their lives regret it was the things they were too scared to do so like i'm going to take a take a note from them and when i'm afraid of something then that's probably a good cue to lean into it and move forward and do it um because the alternative is to just do nothing and to me like failure isn't doing it and having it not turn out well failure's just never Actually, getting around to doing it. Now, I don't mean that to shame anybody or say like you got to do a bunch of crap. More so, just if this is something you want to do, then like he, consider this your permission slip to go do it. You don't need anybody else to tell you, uh, except for me apparently, <laughs> to go <laughs> to make the music that you were born to make. Like just just make some music. It's it's not as big of a deal yeah. as we tend. Oh, uh,
2: I I think that's great. I think uh, one of the things somebody said to me is exactly is pretty much exactly that. You can never fail if you've tried. You can only be not mm-hmm. successful. Mm-hmm. You can only fail if you don't try. And I thought that, you know, that that that's a great metaphor for music in general. If you don't write, if you don't make anything, you, you can't succeed, but you will have failed. Mm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Put Absolutely. it out there. Let everybody hear your music, whatever mm-hmm. it is. Don't let anyone tell you you can't do it yeah. if that's what you want to do. And always get Joe's permission before you do anything because that's... Uh, <laughs> That's the new rule.
0: Hey, Joe, I'm going to record today. Is that
2: okay? Sure. Get... Permission granted. <laughs> Ten people are going to be emailing you now asking for permission.
1: <laughs> wow. Well, this is great. I, I You know, th- there's probably a lot more we could talk about from other people's perspectives. And maybe uh, we'll get feedback from other people who listened to this episode and said, hey, that's great. and And here's my experience. So to the listener. Write us, uh, send us an email, uh, podcast at gmail.com. Let us know what you have experienced with imposter syndrome, uh, what you were up against, how you came over it, um, what you're feeling uh, with imposter syndrome. Let us know, and maybe there's another discussion to be had about this from a different perspective, and maybe you're the guest next time we talk about this. Uh, so let us know. We'll never know unless you tell us. So there you go, right? Send us that email.
2: Well, thanks, Joe. Thanks for giving your time. Appreciate uh, your busy YouTuber. So we've got to fit that in with your schedule. I give the
0: appearance of busy, that's all. <laughs>
2: it's been brilliant having you on. Thank you very much indeed.
0: <laughs> Thank you, Joe. Thank you. Thank y'all for having me. It's Y'all are some of my favorite people, and so this was, just, this was just a blast. Appreciate
2: it. Nice. All right. All right, guys. Till next time. I'll speak to you all soon.
0: Thanks for listening. Get off my lawn. There we go. <laughs> There he is. There he is. Shut up.
1: Thank you for listening to Sound Discussion. Your hosts are Ben Holmes, Neil Merchant, and me, Nate Kelms. Our theme song is composed and recorded by Jojo Timmerman. You can find us on the internet at sounddiscussionpodcast.com or you can drop us a line at sounddiscussionpodcast at gmail.com. Additional show notes for this episode can be found on our website or in the description area of your podcast player. A big thank you to our guest for taking the time to chat with us today and to you, the listener, for taking time out of your busy schedule to be part of our discussion. We look forward to having you join us again next month on another episode of Sound Discussion.
0: Someone takes a slice now I don't get pie like there's there's just so much pie and that's your sound bite. There is so much pie. <laughs>